Conversations with Leaders is a podcast focused on the intersection of business and technology. Today, we're diving into the world of regulatory compliance with Jesse Skibby, Senior Practice Manager of the AWS Security Assurance Organization, and Clark Rogers, Director of AWS Enterprise Strategy. Take a listen as Jesse and Clark discuss how AWS came to be a qualified security assessor and what that means for customers seeking compliance advice and guidance on how to pass an audit. Jesse, thanks so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Clark. I'm glad to be here. Could you tell me a little bit about your background and what brought you to AWS? So I began really early in my career as an individual contributor, like literally the person running the Cat5 cable, managing the on-prem servers and applications. Um, worked my way up into director of IT for three facilities when the company I was at. Um, then I transferred into another role where I worked in financial services. So in the, I guess, early 2000s, a lot of IT <laughs> leaders um, really diving into security. So oh, wow. I uh, took the route into security at that point. So I was responsible. I became responsible for security for our organization. That led me into also a compliance role because, again, in financial services, but also serving uh, public sector customers. So it was a really wide variety of um, different regulations that my company that I worked for had to comply with. So I just dove straight into compliance, security. Um, at that time, of course, we learned that it was appropriate to separate the two, so not having technology and security leadership responsibility. And you know, during that process, I was just subject to audits, you know, just a lot of audits from our customers. And so I took a different seat on the other side of the audit table. So I actually went to work for a third-party audit firm. Um, it was a PCI, a payment card industry qualified security assessor, and also a CPA firm. Mm -hmm. Now here I am at AWS. So I've been at AWS for a little over four years now. And um, when I first started, I was the first employee of a, a new subsidiary that was being created. And uh, my first job was to create a PCI QSA company for AWS. So let's let's talk about that. <laughs> so a AWS SaaS. Tell me about yeah. the the organization and how it came to be. Yeah, that's a great story. Part of the Amazon culture is to be misunderstood for a period of time while you're inventing something new. So essentially, if you want to think about it, we are an audit entity within AWS. Okay. And so the reason why we created this, when I told this story a lot in the beginning, why, are, why is AWS creating a QSA company? And the reason was that our customers were asking for prescriptive guidance from a qualified security assessor. Mm. So there's lots of great um, individuals with former certifications sure. and lots of audit experience. But an actual certified individual that was both an expert on the AWS platform and the framework okay. was really that kind of unique skill set that we were able to combine and be able to provide our customers with the um, expert audit guidance they were looking for. So uh, if I heard you correctly, you focus right now on PCI and high trust? Right. Is it a, a fairly uh, even blend between those requests from customers? Or are you getting more PCI, more high trust? What, what, what's it kind yeah. of look like? Well, definitely the majority of our work is PCI. That's okay. where, we, where we started and that's where the most demand is. Um, but we also do a lot of SOC 2 guidance, NIST guidance. I don't go through the alphabet soup here, but you understand you know, if it's security assurance and it's compliance related, we can help customers. Um, and a lot of times it's even the customer bringing their internal control set to us saying, this is our on-prem environment. These are our controls that we have to be compliant with because rarely does a customer have one. 
rarely. (laughs) So it's always a mix of multiple requirements, including some requirements they may be getting from their customer on down the line. So if it's a security assurance control, we're going to help a customer through navigating it, how to architect, how to build it on AWS, Mm -hmm. and also how to tell that story to their auditor when they're ready for the actual assessment. I find that that's probably the the trickiest thing, right, is to translate to an auditor who's been doing this for years in an on-prem environment to to quote-unquote cloudify it. That's actually a really good point because we do act as translators the majority Mm -hmm. of the time. And what I want to go back to, too, is when we first created this subsidiary is a great example of kind of understanding what we wanted to do. So we knew that we wanted to help customers overcome compliance obstacles. Mm -hmm. We wanted to have that voice for external auditors, for our customers, for internal teams to be able to um, share that story of how they can let customers can leverage the cloud to be compliant. Mm -hmm. But so we had that very high level understanding of what, and this was what I really worked hard on communicating with the team. If we do nothing else, we help customers pass audits. Right. Straightforward, simple. I meet you in an elevator. You ask me what I do. I tell you that. Right. Um, But what the team actually learned over the last four years is just all of the how. And one of that is, You know, a lot of times in our customers, what we see is that the audit, the compliance, the risk professionals are sometimes the last to get the deep education in cloud. And so along the way, we've created programs such as Cloud Audit Academy, Mm -hmm. which was a partnership between AWS Security Learning and our team to be able to create an educational series so that we could help internal and external auditors understand how to think differently about the cloud environment. So we've never sought out to teach audit, but we do teach auditors how to think about the cloud environment. Again, it's back to that sort of translation function. Exactly, yeah. So we're translating, you know, for example, here's how you get an asset, you know, list. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking about your asset control and on-prem, and now what does that look like when you're in a cloud environment? So we give tips and uh, education on, on that. And we, we tie it really closely to industry frameworks that they would recognize. So all through the training, they get here's the NIST reference, here's the ISO reference, okay. so that they can create that bridge between here's what they understand about their on-prem environment related to a specific control, sure. and here's how that control is now looked at in the cloud environment. Okay. so. Uh, if, if I'm a customer then and I use uh, AWS SaaS to help, and it's to help me for my PCI, AWS SaaS doesn't actually certify me. Is that correct? Yeah, that's a really great question and one I get quite a bit. And, you know, although we never say never, it's not our intention to write uh, reports on compliance. Okay. And the reason why is we have a great wealth of partners out there that are serving our customers really well today. And we're not looking to compete with that. In fact, we, we look to empower our partners. And by working together, we can we essentially set the ball on the tee for the auditor, right? And we're working shoulder to shoulder with our customer. And you know, so engineering teams all the way through to internal audit teams, we're there to help guide them, mm-hmm. but we're not there to write the audit report, even though we technically sure. have the ability to. It's not something that we believe we need to do, given the strength in our partner community. Got it. So. Could, could you walk me through what a typical engagement would look like for, let's just say, a PCI customer that, that comes yeah. to you? And- well, what's interesting about the start of the engagement is that the stakeholder that finds us is not what, what I would think. You know, it's not what I thought coming in. 
Um, we're not working with the CISO organization. We're not working with compliance leadership. We're working with engineering or technology leadership. Interesting. Right? I know. Because why, why do you think it is? <laughs> well, I know why it is because they've been given a task. They're saying this workload that you're migrating to AWS or that you're building, we have to be PCI compliant, just full stop. And it's a major business outcome because mm -hmm. if they're not, they're not going to be able to continue doing business with certain customers and fines and fees. So it's a business outcome that's relayed to technology leadership. So the technology leader or the engineering leader knows they have a business outcome they have to achieve. Mm -hmm. They're just not sure exactly how. So I'll actually give you an example, Clark, because there was a story that we helped a customer in the early part of the pandemic that was really meaningful in a lot of ways. So we had a customer come to us, and in this case, it actually, they found us through a partner. Okay. They went directly to their partner that it was a high trust, this is a high trust example. So the customer came to us through their partner who was their high trust assessment company. And the partner knew we were working on a partner um, aligned offering to provide to customers because we can work on preparing them for audit. They actually take them through the whole audit process. So mm -hmm. they found us through there. And the, the opportunity from a business standpoint for our customer was that it would normally take a customer 24 months to achieve high trust certification. It's a very okay. complex, very dynamic framework. And in this case, for, for them to get to this additional piece of market segment, high trust certification was a business requirement they had to meet for their customer. So we start working together with our partner very closely. We were to able to get them to achieve high trust certification within 12 months. So we decreased oh, wow. that by, by 50% and they were able to enter that new market and provide services to a wider variety of customers in the pandemic timeline. So that just felt good. It felt like we were doing the right thing and really allowed us to test out this concept of you know being able to provide that compliance advice. So in this particular engagement, what we did uh, was provide user stories and epics and compliance specific guidance mm -hmm. into the, the hands-on builders who were actually building the application and building the environment. So that's how we were able to, you know, get them to you know, high trust readiness by the time the application was ready to go live. So it was an extremely accelerated timeline. And that's where we found that's that's what our true value is to customers is to be able to accelerate that timeline because of our unique marriage, I guess, of, of expertise of the compliance expertise, along with the AWS uh, expertise. So I imagine there was a lot of automation that went into that and and uh, code development to actually extract right. the evidence and show that this is in fact meeting the uh, compliance outcome that they're looking for. Yeah, that's actually a really great point. I didn't touch on evidence, but yeah, it's not only the builder guidance that we give from an engineering perspective, but it's also the here's a, a script or here's exactly how you can pull the evidence on the back end. Um, and then the other piece that we provide that's really important is that true bridge of information between the technology and mm -hmm. the audit control, because we tell the story, our, our primary deliverable, we call an audit playbook, and that essentially makes that connection between the technology, here's how it's functioning, and here's how you gather evidence. So mm -hmm. like I said earlier, we put the ball on the tee for the auditor, in this case right. was our partner, could go in and write that audit report very quickly, knowing that they have all the information in front of them ready to go. So that's how, in a sense, we accelerate the audit process. So you mentioned earlier that the engineering teams are the ones who typically find you because they mm -hmm. need the help from an engineering perspective to either understand the uh, compliance requirement or develop the evidence for their either internal auditors or external auditors. Yeah. What are you and your team doing to help those 
auditors understand this whole process because you know user stories and epics are mm -hmm. not part of a normal auditor's vocabulary. So so how do you help educate them? Yeah, that's a really great question because although I said they don't they don't find us initially, we we find them. So we take the initiative, the bias for action, to connect ourselves with the internal audit, with the compliance teams, to have the right stakeholders at the at the table. And we find that there's sometimes a little bit of hesitancy to, to work with us, but once they understand that we are actually industry certified auditors, we're not engineers ourselves, we're, we are there because audit is our focus. Mm -hmm. And once the, we can earn their trust with the actual road mapping that we do for them, we become their best friend over time. I mean, it's the engineers and the technology leaders that hire us but it's definitely those internal audit, those compliance leaders that ask us to stay a little bit longer mm -hmm. or you know, start to see the value. And actually, um, several of our engagements have concluded with leadership coming back to me saying, Jesse, will you help me write a job description? Because mm. I did not know that this skill set was needed in my organization. And I think that would be one of my biggest takeaways for customers and that you know, the CISO leadership or the, um, the compliance leadership is that you know, investing in the right way to make sure that the people on the team have the right cloud awareness and can dive deep into the technology. There's so much innovation that can be done in the world of, in the realm of compliance, that um, the, the art of the possible just needs to be proven, mm, <laughs> and sure. and they'll see. And then, so I've I've written many of uh, written many of a job description to help some of our customers be able to hire very equally qualified people that are on my team. So earlier you mentioned Cloud Audit Academy, and I imagine the the target audience for that are you know are sort of the big four audit firms, uh, customers with their uh, internal audit and compliance teams. Is there anybody else that uh, takes advantage of that material that you know of? Yeah, that's a really great question because um, we, we really did build it for the audit community. And that really means anyone who wants to learn more about cloud audit. And just to kind of step through, I guess, quickly, too, there is an agnostic version. So there's a, there's a, it's not AWS specific. That's the 101 course. There's also the 201, which dives a lot deeper into AWS specifically. And then just recently at Reinforce, we released Cloud Audit Academy 301, which is PCI DSS specifically. Oh, wow. So okay. we're really just getting started with that. And actually, we're starting more with internal, with internal audit teams wanting to learn more about PCI. But from a Cloud Audit Academy 201 perspective, so this is AWS specific. Mm -hmm. And it's, it really does, it covers the wide variety. If you think about all of the basic controls, access control, physical security, um, that's a, a great course. And interestingly enough, it's, it's caught the attention of some regulators. So we've actually done several international um, and US-based regulatory uh, agencies that have expressed interest and have wanted to train their staff, which makes a lot of sense, oh, you know, because these are the regulators that are going into our customers and evaluating their AWS environment. So to me, that's a big win when we can actually reach all of the members of the audit community, mm -hmm. customers, internal audit, third party audit companies, as well as regulators. That goes into that, you know, our initial mission of really being an industry voice as it relates to audit and helping people think differently about audit in AWS specifically. And then everybody's speaking the same language effectively. Right. We actually had one regulator that was attending a course alongside of several of their customers. So talk about powerful <laughs> conversation. We're, we're quite flexible with who can receive the training 
And uh, like I said, our overall mission is to, uh, is to enable auditors in all different types of roles. We hope you're enjoying this discussion. To join the conversation and engage with other business leaders on these topics, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection. So in that same vein, how are they building out their organizations today? Is, is it, yes, there's the audit talent or the compliance talent, but they're also hiring engineers for their team? I don't think there's a one size you know, fits all or most, but I definitely see that they're understanding the value of having compliance engineers. Okay. You know, because the idea of having continuous compliance integration in the pipeline is obviously where the majority of our most mature customers mm -hmm. either are or are going. Right. And so, and also having that understanding even with internal audit teams, which our Cloud Audit uh, Academy has grown. The program that we started several years ago has really grown because customers are seeing the need to have that more technical, it's grown as far as, you know, in depth on how technical we can go because they see the need to have that understanding within their audit team. So I think it depends um, where they're starting, where they want to invest. Mm -hmm. But I definitely see that compliance engineering, that whole concept of how can we actually innovate, bringing, bringing the right people to the table to actually innovate sure. and ease some of that compliance burden that customers are facing today. That's awesome. So let, let, let's pivot a little bit back to your hiring, right? Yeah. So when, when you look for someone for uh, AWS SaaS, what kind of skill set or skill sets are you looking for in that person? Yeah, well, that's definitely something that we've iterated on over time as we've matured. But I think it's always been, we, you know, we start with our leadership principles. And I what I love about Amazon, the way we think about hiring is, is we're hiring for Amazon first. Mm -hmm. And then it's skill set, it's technical depth, it's, you know, functional fit kind of second. So from a leadership principle perspective, what I've established as must-haves for the practice is, well, of course, customer obsession is always kind of a, a given, but then we need to be able to earn and maintain trust with sure. our customers. So earning trust and keeping trust is a definite must that I look for. The other is insist on the highest standards. And because we have, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. we have to, as a QSA company, we have strict quality control requirements. So we perform quality control on our deliverables as though they were rocks, as though they were a report on compliance. Okay. So everything is peer reviewed, everything is double checked, everything we put in writing publicly is double checked and peer reviewed. So that goes back to earning trust, but also just keeping that bar really high. And so those are two things that I look for. And then of course, learn to be curious because you, you really won't be successful, I don't believe, in an AWS environment with all the ambiguity that we deal with on a daily basis. Sure. If you're not constantly curious and looking for new things to learn, so, but then we also, look, we have a pretty good combination. We like to diversify on the team. So we have a lot of former QSAs, mm -hmm. um, which I, I really never believed that I'd be able to take a team of auditors and create this innovative, fun working environment, but I have. Right. <laughs> um, and then we have a lot of internal auditors and then we also have engineers. So we actually started incubating a new area of our business about 18 months ago, really focused on privacy engineering. Oh, cool. So we are definitely uh, really raising the bar on the technical depth mm -hmm. in the team because from the auditor profile, we're really looking for like tech breadth because our my consultants need to go to a customer and be able to advise on all AWS services. So you can imagine sure. how complex that is across the board. So tech breadth is really important. 
Um, but in some of the areas that we're focusing on right now in privacy engineering, it's really about tech depth and not only security expertise, uh, but also understanding of the, the privacy regulation and landscape that's changing all the time. So it's it's quite a balance of complexity, mm-hmm. but we have we've definitely made it work with the diversity of the team. So Jesse, as a AWS security leader, uh, part of your job is to make sure that you're uh, bringing up that next generation of leaders w- within the company. Uh, what kind of things are you doing to, to help that? Well, first and foremost, Clark, I think we're always looking for ways to scale ourselves as leaders. And I think it's really important to understand that leadership itself is not Uh, It's a learned skill. It's not something people are born with. You know, that term born leader really doesn't exist. So leadership, like any other development opportunity, is something that people really need to learn and grow in over time. And I definitely have been on that growth journey personally, and I, I take it very seriously, and I'm very passionate about the topic. And, you know, thinking of what the right ways to scale myself as a leader on the team. And I talked a little bit earlier about I think my role on the team was really to help establish a high level vision, mm-hmm. kind of telling the team this is what we want to accomplish. But I needed to develop a team of leaders that could really define the how because I was never gonna do it on my own, and nor should I, because they have so many great ideas, and the team is really, the they're the reason why the team is successful, right? Because they're the ones diving deep with customers, they're the ones deciding how are we gonna work the most effectively and finding the right value. So along my own personal journey, I've really been looking for ways to develop myself so that I can in turn help develop others. I really think that's my responsibility as a leader. And so several years ago, I, I took a John Maxwell certification course. I really have a lot of respect for his work and so I became certified as a John Maxwell team member and I got my first um, window into coaching and at that time I really didn't understand exactly what it was but I, I'm a very curious person and so I dove straight into um, doing an executive coaching program so I'm a Hudson executive coach and the reason why I think coaching or the art of coaching is so critical is because the the idea of asking a question it's the it's the best way to help other people develop themselves and actually create behavioral change because if I tell you to do something You're not gonna remember the thought process behind it is lost on you. But if I ask you a question and ask you to share with me how you're thinking, I I honestly believe that this is the true key in scaling yourself as a leader. Because if, 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 if you can figure out how to solve the problem yourself, you're not gonna come back to me later and ask me for the same help. So I really look at this as a way of empowering leaders on the team. You know, I rarely give direct guidance but I will ask a lot of questions on how are you thinking about this right. and and really help them understand that they are empowered to make decisions. You know, taking ownership is one of the leadership principles that I personally gravitate towards most and I instill that on the team. Mm-hmm. We need a team of owners that are gonna take that responsibility and do what's right working backwards from the customer. And as long as they have those guardrails, they know what we do, they get to define how we do it and they get to take ownership over that. And so having the team feel empowered is, uh, in, in my opinion, one of the ways of, of scaling yourself as a leader and creating success for the whole team. No, that's great. Um, so if, if I'm a customer, so a, a CISO, CTO, whatever the case may be, uh, and I'm looking to modernize my audit or compliance program, what are, what are some tips that you would give me to, to sort of move into the 21st century of, of automated uh, audit and compliance? Yeah, well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is having that right skill set. You know, we talked a little bit about having 
the audit and compliance background and knowledge, but also be willing to invest in some of the technology training that that person may need, because we have to be able to demonstrate the art of the possible, right? And to have the understanding, especially as it relates to all of the different security tooling that's available on AWS. So possibly even thinking about the uh, the security certification as a first step and. Uh, on the training and certification page, in fact, there is an auditor learning path. Okay. In addition to, like I mentioned earlier, Cloud Audit Academy several times, there is a free e-learning for Cloud Audit Academy 101, the very basic agnostic version. So I guess my point is to that, to that leader, that stakeholder in the company who cares about modernizing their compliance program, you have to be willing to invest in, in the people, right? I think the people that are going to be bringing that innovation to the table and having them be part of that life cycle, right? Because everything is agile and you're thinking about DevOps. How are you incorporating compliance advice, security into that sure. DevOps cycle? And how are you testing in a continuous cycle? And also on the back end, there's so many, there's so much capability today to create, collect automated evidence. Right. So not only just from a monitoring perspective, what tools and resources are available for a constant monitoring, but also consistent audit. Right. You know, continual audit is an actual real uh, capability that people have now in the cloud environment. So focusing on that effort, because there's a there's a considerable amount of time savings and and uh, cost savings involved in automating that. Because think about the life cycle of an audit and how long it takes to sure. ma manually gather evidence. And we are way beyond the days of screenshots right. and <laughs> you know and there you know it with a compliance as code mentality. How are you, you know, gathering that data consistently right. uh, versus waiting once a quarter or once a year? So that's, you know, thinking about that and, and really re asking those individuals to think, you know, think big, invent and simplify. A lot of our leadership principles apply here because there's a lot of room for a compliance engineer mm -hmm. to really focus on saving that time and money for the, for the customer. And then I imagine saving that time and money also comes into development hours, right? So if the development engineer is not spending time producing evidence for the audit team, he or she can be developing feature sets and getting code out the door and actually helping the company make money and reach more customers. Well, we talk a lot about waste, you know, when you're right. developing products. And that's the, one of the things where when you insert your compliance engineer as far left in the cycle of yeah. product development, then you do have less waste because what you don't want to do is wait until that application is ready for production, mm -hmm. then bring in the compliance people and then have to go back and do considerable rework. So if you insert that on the front end, you're going to have a lot less waste and a lot of faster time to production on the back end. What do you see the future of AWS SaaS? Like five or 10 years from now, what, what kind of services are you going to be offering to customers, do you think? So we, we're constantly thinking about ways we can scale and provide greater levels of automation to our customers. So we've got some ideas, some things on the roadmap that we're building to be able to serve more customers with, with fewer resources. So mm -hmm. more to come on that. But that's, you know, we have to think about customers that are migrating to the cloud, they're building, they're innovating very fast. That's sure. the thing that cloud gives them the ability to do. So how can we incorporate compliance at the speed of innovation that they want to go, right? So we have to think differently about how we provide, how we inject that compliance information, how they can incorporate builder guidance and testing guidance mm -hmm. into that. We're publishing code, you know, on every second or every right. few seconds, right? So we, we're thinking big and trying to incorporate ways of, of that, building that automation going forward. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Clark. I really enjoyed the conversation. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us spread the word and subscribe, share, rate, and review.